0: So excited to have you with us tonight. As I was kind of praying and considering what I was going to share with you, uh, the Lord reminded me of something interesting. My wife was working on a project for Speed the Light, and she was looking at uh, old footage from the pictures we took last year on our trip to Japan. And it blew me away just thinking about the fact that this time last year, she and I were in Japan uh, walking through the philosopher path under cherry blossoms and exploring these amazing temples and just having this wonderful time. And as great as all the sightseeing was and just being able to travel with my wife was, obviously the best part for me of that entire trip was that it was on that trip she told me that I was going to be a dad. Or should I say that I became a dad? Because the moment she told me, I knew I was a dad. Because I already knew that my daughter Josie was in her womb. I didn't know her name was Josie. I didn't know she was going to be a her. I just knew that she existed now. And I was so excited to see her, I got so excited that I literally started to cry, but I didn't get to see her right away. You know, most of you have already gone through that part of education where they teach you that it takes about nine to ten months for a baby to develop in the womb. And that's what Josie was doing for those nine months, she was developing. It's incredible if you really think about it, how she went from just a heartbeat being able to be recognized to arms growing and facial features growing her ears growing and and you, you gotta understand me and my wife every day we were looking at every stage of her development and and every day we we're trying to see what size fruit she was or what little animal she just dis- was described as in these little apps that we have and it was so cool to to realize wow today she grew lungs and you know on this day she has a reproductive system and on this day she developed you know baby fat and muscles and all these things we're so excited about every stage of her development. And the crazy thing is she's doing that while in pitch darkness, uh, not having ever met anybody trapped in this womb for nine months. And I think some of us, uh, we're starting to feel like that, trapped. We're incubated in our homes. We've been stuck in there for almost two months now. And just like Josie, you're ready to break out. You're ready to experience the world. You're ready to just get out of your little closed, dark habitat. But I want to encourage you in that time of incubation, not just a stay at home order, but incubation, are you developing? Because I think that's the difference between someone who just stays at home and someone who develops at home. I think you've been given a golden opportunity to develop in darkness. And that might seem like a bad thing, but I think that's the best blessing God can give you. Because developing in the public eye is difficult. It comes with much criticism. It comes with all this pressure and eyes upon you. But in the darkness, it's just you and the Lord. And it's this process of growing and becoming. And not just when it comes to the stay-at-home order, but by the very nature of your age, those of you who are teenagers watching right now, you have to understand that this is the greatest time of incubation of your life. Right now, you are developing who you are going to be for the rest of your life. Right now, you are uh, setting steps and and organizing paths that are going to lead and determine the rest of the course of your life. Your study habits are going to determine what college you go to or what trade or profession you go into. Your ability to form relationships is going to determine the type of relationships you'll have long term. The person you choose to date, the people you choose to keep in your inner circle. There's so many decisions that you're making right now that sometimes, if we're honest, can start to feel a little overwhelming. Maybe especially for some of you who are juniors and seniors or g- recent graduates. But here's the deal you don't have to be afraid during this time of incubation, you just have to be purposeful. You have to be intentional about trying to grow. And I think it's interesting when you look at the Bible and you study the life of Jesus, there's this gap in his life that we don't hear much about in the Gospels. We hear about his birth and his growth and his early years. And then we hear up to about the age of 12, which I think is fascinating from a youth pastor perspective. And then between the ages of about 12 to 30, darkness. You don't really hear almost anything except for one verse that we find in Luke chapter 2. In Luke chapter 2, uh, Jesus and his parents go uh, to a local synagogue and, and they're going for the special time and, you know, this kind of religious thing that they had to do at the time. And the Bible tells us one last thing about Jesus before fast forwarding to Jesus when he's 30 years old. And I think in that one verse, we can encapsulate what Jesus did between the ages of 12 and 30 and what I hope Jesus is doing in you between the ages of 12 and 30. And listen to what that verse says. It's in Luke chapter 2, verse 52. It says, Jesus grew. Now let me just pause right there. Because I think that does sum it up. Between 12 and 30, Jesus grew. And if you're anything like I was as a teenager, we want to rush that process. We want to be grown. We want to be able to drive. We want to be able to live in our own place. We want to be able to have our own money. We want to rush to the final product. But here it tells us what Jesus did. It says that Jesus grew. And listen to how he grew. He grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with all people. See, I think a lot of us, we're just growing sideways right now, right? We're not able to run around. We're not able to do much. We're just kind of sitting at home and eating. But I don't think that's the kind of growth that Jesus wants from you right now. Right now, you have an opportunity to grow in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and all people. And I want to take some time To walk you through what that means. And if you're taking notes, the first thing you want to write is that Jesus grew in wisdom. He grew in wisdom. See, wisdom is not just about facts. It's not just having a lot of knowledge. There's a lot of people who are intellectual and lack wisdom. There's a lot of people who have a ton of book smarts but lack all types of wisdom. See, I believe wisdom is the ability to utilize knowledge appropriately. Wisdom is the ability to know what you should or shouldn't do. Proverbs says it like this, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 5 through 8. Get wisdom, develop good judgment. Don't forget my words or turn away from them. Don't turn your back on wisdom, for she will protect you. Love her and she will guard you. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. Ironic. (laughs) And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. If you prize wisdom, she will make you great. Embrace her and she will honor you. There was a season early on in my walk where I was fascinated and obsessed with wisdom. I was devouring the book of Proverbs because it's a book of wisdom and and I just wanted to grow wise. I was reading all types of quotes. I would spend hours online just reading quotes. I wanted to become wise because I believed that I was intelligent, but I was still making foolish decisions. I needed wisdom and I wanted to chase wisdom down. I think you have an opportunity If you learn to prize wisdom to grow in that. But you have to be willing to develop. And development isn't always easy. There's growing pains with development. Sometimes they say in order to be old and wise you got to be young and stupid. There is this process and a lot of times you're going to make mistakes and it's in those mistakes that you become wise. But there's a few things that wisdom that I think are important for you and I to understand. First one is that godly wisdom is what we're talking about. Luke Luke chapter 2, if you carry on with the story that we were reading, verse 45 through 46, says, when they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. Now again, this is a little different. A 12-year-old right now, if you're 12 years old and you went missing for three days, I don't think your family would think you were wise. I think they would kill you or Let me rephrase that. Um, Discipline you, right? Your family would not be happy. If my daughter was missing for three days, when I found her, I'd hug her. And then punishment is probably going to come right after that. But this is different in the sense of who this was. Uh, Jesus, if you understand, for these three days, he was at the temple. He was in church. He could have been anywhere with his parents gone this could have been a a home alone situation and and he could have had parties and he could have run around with his friends he he could have gone anywhere in Jerusalem this was during the Passover time so there was a lot going on he could have uh found people and other people his age and, and play with he could have went sightseeing through all the uh views of Jerusalem and uh he could have uh even gotten into trouble i think sometimes we get into the most trouble when we're just bored When we don't have anything to do, we just come up with doing dumb stuff. Instead, he was sitting among wise men learning to become wise. He was sitting among wise men learning and teaching. See, when you want to grow in your wisdom with God, you have to decide where you're going to be. Are you going to stay connected in your word? Are you going to take time to be in the presence of God? Are you going to seek after wisdom which comes from the Lord? Or are you just gonna waste your time playing Fortnite all day? Are you just gonna waste your time making TikTok videos or watching other people engage in their lives? And listen, I don't, I don't wanna slam on, on TikTok videos, but here's the irony that I find. While you're sitting there watching hours and hours of other people dancing on a screen for a few seconds, keep in mind that they are making a ton of money off of you just sitting there and watching them. See, they're being productive, I would argue. You know, we put up a TikTok video, we get a couple fines but they're in the process of work. So I think it's a little bit different. I'm not trying to diminish what you're doing. What I am saying is, are you taking an opportunity in the season of being sometimes alone, sometimes just closed in in your house, to grow and develop in your wisdom, to read books like Proverbs, to read other books that are gonna help sharpen your mind and develop you, to talk to leaders and, and ask questions, to sharpen your mind. Listen, growing in wisdom isn't just growing with God, but it's also growing with people. Remember, we said that he grew in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and with people. Proverbs 13:20 says this in the Good News Translation, "Keep company with the wise and you'll become wise. If you make friends with stupid people, you'll be ruined." And I think right now is a great opportunity for you to take inventory of the people in your life. Who are the people that you want to keep? And who are the people that you're glad you're not seen with every day? See, there are some people that are just going to be part of your ruin. There are some people that by nature of their own decisions are going to make destructive decisions for you. That's why Jesus didn't understand why his parents took so long to find him. He's saying, listen, if you want to refine me, You should have known where I was going to be at. I wasn't going to be out in the playground with a bunch of kids. I wasn't going to be out in the streets acting dumb. I was going to be in my father's house. Listen, Luke chapter 2, the response that he had for his parents, verse 48 through 49. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic searching for you everywhere. But why did you need to search? He asked, didn't you know I must be in my father's house? Listen, this is why we're striving even to put small groups together for you on Fridays. Because even though we can't be physically in a building, when you're in your father's house is when you're gathered with father's people. When we come together, we are in the father's house. And we need to strive to formulate and continue to cultivate relationships with other godly people. I'm not saying that these godly people are better or, or you know, smarter than some of your friends out in the world. But what I am saying is if your goal is to grow in wisdom, spiritual wisdom, then you need people who are at least attempting to go in the same direction as you are. Jesus looked at his parents said, you probably looked at a bunch of other places that you should have known I was never going to be at. This is the most obvious place in my father's house. During this time of quarantine, are you finding yourself in your father's house or are you stuck bored in your own house? Are you seeking his face? Are you reading your word? Are you praying? Are you talking to other believers, challenging each other to grow and develop? Or are you just waiting until the government lifts the order and then we can go back into a building? Second thing that we notice is he grew not only in wisdom, but in stature. Now, stature is not a word that we use too often, but uh, stature has to do with reputation gained. Reputation is not who we say we are. See, listen to this quote, our lives are speaking so loudly about us that people cannot hear what we say about ourselves. Our lives are speaking so loudly about us that people can't hear what we say about ourselves. What that means is, it doesn't matter who you say you are, what matters is what you put out there. That's what people are gonna make a judgment or determination on. Reputation is not what we think of ourselves, but rather what we what is known to others about us. It is a predictable response To a future influence or situation. Now again I understand that sometimes people have the wrong idea of you. People have a misconception of you. And here's the problem with reputation. It's horribly difficult to gain and incredibly simple to lose. Nonetheless we have to be willing to grow in our reputation. Proverbs 22 verse 1 says this. Choose a good reputation over great riches. Being held in high esteem is better than silver or gold who you are, your word, everything that you do and the way you represent yourself builds your reputation. If you tell your mom you're going to do your dishes and then she comes back hours later and the dishes are done, that's part of your reputation. Let me tell you uh one mistake I made that's followed me to this day. When I was a young boy, uh my aunt sent me into the store at Walgreens to buy her pop. I went in to buy a can of pop. I, I pulled the can of pop out of the Freezer or the fridge that was there. I went and uh, the guy rung me up and he charged me about five bucks for this one can of pop. Now, again, I was just a kid. I wasn't really thinking. I wasn't paying attention. I gave him the money. My aunt gave me, he gave me back the little bit of change. I went, gave her the pop, and she looks at me and goes, Where's the rest of my money? And I'm thinking, I don't know. So we go back into the store. It turns out I took that can of pop from a six pack that was in the fridge. So when he rung it up, it rung up as a six pack. And so he charged me for a six pack. Now, to my credit, I was a kid and this was a grown cashier. He should have known better and understood why am I charging this kid five bucks. So in my defense, I think he's just as dumb as I was. But to this day, my family will never let me let that down. My family will bring it up. They'll say something like, oh, I have Joey do it. Are you kidding me? He doesn't even know what a can of pop costs. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that was like 20 something years ago. But that's sometimes how reputations are. Now, now that's a silly example. Because some of you have reputations that are following you that you feel like you just can't shake. Some of you have reputations based on some really bad mistakes you've made that have followed you for much longer than you deserve. But listen, the goal is to have a good reputation with God. Primarily and firstly. Galatians 1.10 says, Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. We can't live our lives trying to please everybody. We can't live our lives trying to show everybody that we're not who we used to be. We strive to be everything that God called us to be. And people are always going to have their opinion one way or the other. And listen, there are some people who are never going to change their opinion about you. They're going to be stuck on that one moment and they're forever going to look at you like that. And honestly, there's nothing you can do. You just got to be willing to move forward. But if you're willing to grow in your reputation in heaven, that will follow you to earth. First Peter chapter two, verse 12 says, be careful to live properly among unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. Yes, it's true that many won't be able to give you a good reputation and they're going to be stuck on things. But the ones who do give you a good reputation will defend you even when you're not there. See, reputation has a way of protecting you when you're not able to protect yourself. For example, somebody might say something about you. Oh, did you hear so-and-so said this about somebody? Your reputation will defend you and say, you know what? That doesn't sound like what so-and-so would say. I don't believe you. I'm going to ask them. I'm going to check with them. Why? Because that just doesn't seem like their character. That doesn't seem like who they are. I know this person. I've seen their reputation. And so I'm not going to fall for false accusations because I know the truth of who they are. Your reputation will save you more times than you can imagine. But it's very important that you take the time to grow in that reputation. And understand that it's going to take time. That it might be a couple years in. It may take a while for people to see you for who God is calling you to be. I remember even uh, years after I graduated and, and I was a leader and I became a pastor, I ran into some people who used to know me as a young student and they weren't amazed that I was a pastor. They were amazed that I was saved and I was shocked. I'm like, I wasn't that bad as a kid, but all they remember was the reputation of the last time they saw me, not of who I became. And as they began to see who I became, slowly but surely they forgot about who I was and that was replaced with who I am. And reputation is an important thing for you and I to grow in, which kind of bleeds into the last thing. Jesus grew in wisdom and he grew in his reputation or his stature, but he also grew in favor. The word favor has to do with approval or likability. You might recognize the word favor in the root of favorite. Uh, favor, if I can give you a definition. Is friendly regard shown uh, friendly regard shown toward another, especially by a superior, approving or consider. Now I'm not saying that God chooses favorites, but He does favor those who favor Him. The favor of God can be described as tangible evidence that a person has approval from the Lord. We used to joke in my house that um, I had the favor of the Lord when it came to parking. In my neighborhood, parking is a horrible mess after 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock. You can literally be driving around my neighborhood for hours and not find a parking spot. And there were many nights where I would come at 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night after work or after school. And um, very quickly, the second I would drive down the street, somebody would pull out of a parking spot and I would park right in front of the house. And my family would just laugh and go, obviously, yeah, Joey, the favor of the Lord is on him with parking. Now, I don't know if that's true. I'm not going to deny it. God loves me. But here's the deal. Favor is more than just finding a parking spot. God shows favor on the ones who delight in him, who connect with him, who honor him. Listen, your favor with God, Isaiah 66 verse two. Has not my hand made all these things? And so they come into being, declares the Lord. These are the ones I look on with favor. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. When you're humble, God will show his favor on you. Why? Because you're trusting him. You're not full of yourself. You're not arrogant. You're not believing that you could do this on your own. See, when you're prideful, God is just going to take his hand off of you. Why is he going to show favoritism towards you when you're showing favoritism towards yourself? There's enough favor right there that God doesn't have to jump in. Or at least God won't. But when you're humble in spirit, when you grow in that understanding that you're not maybe as great as you think you are, you're not as bad as you think you are, you're just everything God called you to be, God will fill in all the gaps that are necessary. The Bible gives this example of great men and women who found favor with God. Men like Moses and Noah, people like Mary, who God looked upon her and he says, the Lord has found favor in Mary. Now, was Mary particularly special? Was she chosen to be the mother of God because she was greater than anybody else? No, God just simply chose her because he gave her favor. She was a good woman, a decent woman, but she wasn't the only that ever existed. But God in that moment shown favor because he cared for her. He wanted her. He had a likelihood for her that he wanted this for her life. And he poured that on her. Noah had favor because unlike everybody else, he lived righteously. See, when you do the things God calls you to do, God will show favor in your life. And that favor will carry over with people. See, when you live in a way that honors God and honors people, there will be favor shown your way. I'm not saying that you're going to become favorites and I'm not talking about being a teacher's pet. I'm just saying being an honorable person, growing and developing into that kind of reputation. Some of you at school, you feel like, well, my teacher hates me. Okay, I understand that. And to a certain extent, maybe that's true. But let's be honest for a moment. What are you doing that makes your teacher not care for you? Because it's easy to say, oh, my teacher hates me and just leave it at that. Like it has nothing to do with me. That's just how they are. More often than not, especially now that I'm older and I talk to teachers, they'll be honest. Yeah, I don't like that kid. And I'm like, dang, why don't you like that kid? Because they talk during class, they don't do their homework, they don't pay attention, and then get mad at me when they don't get the grade that they think they should get. That really bothers me. And I'm like, yeah, I guess you're human. But see, here's the deal. When you have a student, let's just give you a hypothetical situation, who maybe is working really, really hard. They're doing all their homework. They're striving, but they're still struggling. I guarantee you that teacher is going to give a little leeway on that kid. They're going to show some favor. They might let them do a retake or they might let them try again on on a test or do a homework assignment or give them extra credit. They're going to give them more chances. And it may seem like they favor them in the sense that they're their favorite. But it's simply because they see who they are, the work ethic and who they're trying to be. And they want to help that person. What are you doing? How are you living that allows people to show favor on you? Genesis 39 verse 4 says, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. This is talking about Joseph when he was a slave in Potiphar's house. Think about it. He was uh, unjustly sold into slavery by his own family. And here he's in a position where he's a slave when he was obviously honored in his own family. And now he's stuck in a whole different situation. He could have been bitter. He could have been angry. He could have been belligerent. He could have fought against the system. But he worked hard. And he found favor with his master's eyes. And he was put in charge of everything. Now this carried on in Joseph's life. Even to the point where he was eventually raised to second in command of all of Egypt. See, if you just kick and scream about the position you're at in life, nobody's going to ever help you. But when you work hard and you're diligent and you're faithful and you're consistent in your character... People are going to want to elevate you. When I was, uh, I think about 19 years old, 20 years old, I worked at a a factory uh, near O'Hare. I was the youngest person by far in that entire warehouse of about 100 employees. And very quickly within the first year, I was promoted twice. I was promoted as an assistant uh, human resource manager and I was promoted as the floor manager. And there was a lot of older people, people who had been with the company for a long time, that were really upset that I was given that position. But these were the same people who would come into into work late, who would slack off, who would take long breaks, who would give minimal effort. The moment I came in, I worked my tail off because my sister got me that job and I wanted to make sure that nobody looked down on her for hiring her brother. I wanted to make sure that they understood that they hired somebody who was going to work hard and that hard work eventually found favor with my bosses and elevated me to positions that other people might not like, but I wasn't working for other people. See, favor will also be given to you in people's eyes. The book of Esther. Esther, uh, is this woman who's in the courts and she's, uh, got this situation going on where the, the kingdom wants to basically destroy her people. But listen, chapter 2, verse 15 says, When the turn came to Esther, the young woman Mordecai had adopted and the daughter of his uncle Abadiah, To go to the king, she asked for nothing other than what Haggai, the king's eunuch, who was in charge of the harem, suggested. And Esther won the favor of everyone who saw her. Basically, Esther was in a position to ask for something, and she could have asked for anything she wanted. She could have gotten greedy in this moment, but she asked specifically for what was needed. And as a result, she was given favor and so much more than that. When you grow in wisdom, in stature, and in favor. I'm not saying that your life becomes easier, but doors do begin to open. Favor, stature, wisdom, these are all keys to your development, not just as a leader, as a student, as an adult, but as a human being. This is something that's well in your control. And I get it, there are a lot of things socially, economically, racially, that may not be in your control. But becoming wise, having a good reputation, being the kind of person that gains favor with God and with men, that is 100% in your wheelhouse. Jesus dedicated his younger years of his life to growing. See, a lot of us, we want to jump right in, but from the ages of 12 to 30, he strived to grow in wisdom, stature, and favor. 30 years of training for three years worth of ministry. And a lot of us, we want three years worth of training for 30 years worth of life living. He spent the majority of his younger years so that his later years will be more fruitful. Somehow, we've convinced ourselves that everything has to happen now. And in a world of COVID-19, I think we realize that the world slows down. That we can't have the things that we always wanted, just like we always wanted. That Amazon ain't delivering overnight anymore, that some things are gonna take longer than others that we need to slow down and take the time to grow. I need to to, to do things now It's kind of the mentality. And I've been there, listen, as a teenager, we think, well, I, I need to find my future wife or husband now and, and I need to decide what career I'm gonna have now and I need to be able to enjoy my life now. Listen, grow now, develop now. You got it backwards. The next 10 to 15 years, are your greatest years of preparation you'll ever have. You don't need to find the one. You need to spend the next 10 to 15 years becoming that one. You don't need a part-time job. You need to study and work hard so that you can have a lifelong job. You don't need uh, to push God to the later years of your life. And I hear that all the time. Well, I'll get serious about God when I get older. No, no, get serious about God now so that you have a solid foundation when you're older. And so here's my challenge for you as we wrap this up. Slow down. Don't be in such a rush to figure everything out. Take the next 10, 15 years and focus on developing. Train to be who God called you to be. Grow in wisdom, stature, favor with God and with men. Listen, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1 through 4. My child, never forget the things I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart. If you do this, you will have many years of your life and will be satisfying. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Then you will find favor with both God and people, and you will learn or earn a good reputation. I'll close out with this. Uh, Like many of you, I spent the last several weeks watching the documentary on the 90s bulls called The Last Dance. Now listen, this was my childhood, all right? I'm reliving my youth and I'm going back and and hopefully some of you guys got to understand who the 90s Bulls are because the disrespect is real sometimes from y'all. But here's what I need you to understand because we look at the GOAT, we look at Michael Jordan and we just see the finished product. And hopefully if you watch that documentary, you'll realize that yeah, he was cut from his high school team his freshman year, at least he didn't make the varsity, I should say. When he was drafted in 84, he wasn't drafted number one. He didn't win right away. For years, he was beat up by the Detroit Pistons. He was beaten out by the Boston Celtics. They were teams that were bigger and stronger than him that defeated him. He didn't realize or understand yet how to play with the rest of his teammates. From 84 to 90, he grew He grew in his understanding of the game. He grew in his physical abilities. He grew in his jump shots and his scoring ability. He grew in every aspect of his game. And as he grew and developed, so did his game. So did his involvement. He grew in even understanding how to make other players better. He grew so much in those first years of his career that in the latter years of career, he won six NBA titles. NBA Finals MVP. Multiple championships, records, gold medals, became the most historically favored and arguably the greatest player of all time because he grew, because he never stopped trying to grow. You want to be the greatest of all time? You want to be everything that God called you to be? Tied around your neck right now that I would dedicate myself to development, to growth, to becoming exactly who God called me to be. I'm not just going to sit back and wait for somebody to hand this to me. But I am going to grow in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with both God and with men. So let me pray for you. And I want to ask God to help us because on our own, this is impossible. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you. We thank you for your word. God, we thank you for its guidance. We thank you even for the times where you slow us down. And God, we just pray for your help right now, Lord. God, we pray that you would help us to grow in wisdom, that you would surround us with wise people to guide us and to care for us, that you would give us the the diligence, Lord, to seek your word and to grow in our understanding and to gain wisdom, Father God, to have a hunger for it, Lord. Father, we pray for our stature, God, that our reputation would precede us, God, that our reputation would defend us, Lord, that we would work hard to make sure that people understand who we are in you and not just the mistakes that we've made in our past, God. And Lord, I pray that we would grow in our favor. Lord, that your favor would shine upon us. And as your favor shines upon us, that others would look upon us with favor as well. That other people would see us and would would have good thoughts about us and would want to help us, Lord, and would want to come alongside us because, Lord, you have shown favor upon us as well. God, I pray that we would not be in a rush to accomplish all of these major goals we have in life. But Lord, we take every day to work on it to be stronger than we were yesterday, and to become everything you called us to be, and nothing more but nothing less. We call that all in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen. God bless you guys. I love you, Excel. We'll see you tomorrow in small groups.